What's going on, family? What's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speaking with you now. I got the honor and privilege of bringing you the creator and writer of PB Soldier, Nasheed Gifted, somebody who not only is the creator, but also is an organizer, and he's uh, the founder of the Kim Comic Fest in Newark, New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, my brother, Mr. Gifted. What's going on, Nasheed? Oh, peace. How you doing? How's it going? Real good, man. Thank real good, real good. Now, First, I want um, to take the opportunity. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Oh, man, it's a pleasure, brother. It's a pleasure. You know I'm about promoting, uh, you know, the comics and the sci-fi that's coming out of the African-American community. Um, I'm not waiting for Wakanda. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not waiting, man. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, I got... I got a whole you're, show. Are you saying Wakanda. you don't have your passport yet? Like, you know, they're selling the passports. They have the passports. So you don't have your passport, you're saying? No, I don't have my passport. But you know what? I can get into Renaissance City pretty easily. Oh, wow, wow. Well, yeah. hey, well, yeah, as long as you got your IDS to swipe in and out, that's what it is. <laughs> so I'm reading the, the intro to your book, PB Soldier. And ladies and yes. gentlemen, you can go to uh, pbsoldier.com, pbsoldier.com uh, to pick up the book. And uh, right now there are four issues out. I got one and two. And um, so when you first get into it, it has a kind of dis dis dispore, is that the word? Uh, dystopian yeah. kind of a vibration. You know what I mean? Um, it actually looks like some parts of America right now. And... Um, and the thing that kind of struck me is the way you set it up. It, it so much of your 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 fiction is nonfiction. You talk about mm -hmm. um, the different powers kind of coming together. You talk about security rankings of uh, citizens, which which China is actually doing. You know, they're giving mm -hmm. citizens a kind of a like a a credit rating, like a social credit rating. You know, obviously. Yes. You know, Homeland Security is looking at different groups and, 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 and having threat assessments. Um, just tell us a little bit about Renaissance City, PB Soldier. Describe uh, that whole environment for us. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, when I did my due diligence on uh, researching, you know, what kind of story I wanted to create, um, what, I, what I wanted to create was an environment that kind of foreshadows if a couple of things were put into place. So I looked at Stop and Frisk. I looked at the Patriot Act. I looked at a few things that were going on right here in, uh, in the U.S. And I said, wow, what if we amp that up a little? And that's kind of like how we got into what Renaissance City is. Okay. So um, the, the whole story is set in the near future where we live in a world where everyone's considered a terrorist. And PB Soldier, uh, the main character, is one of the world's top hackers and has just been labeled one of the top terror threats in this world. It has to go underground and work unofficially off of the books for the newly formed world government called the establishment. As he is getting trained as an assassin, he's actually um, receiving uh, images of a life that's not of his own, which is actually his ancestors trying to hack it to him while he's hacking into the world. Wow. Okay, and I got to stop you. I got to stop you. I got to stop you right there. I've never seen that in a book before. Never. Mm -hmm. Now, when I read it, immediately I got, you know, kind of my memory connected the scene in Black Panther where they bury him in the in the red sand or whatever, and then they go mm -hmm. to uh, you know the purple the purple place. You know what yes. what gave you the inspiration to link up this African American 
you know, uh, superhero, you know, protagonist. I don't think he has superpowers. Mm. With the, with the ancestors, where did that inspiration come from? Well, I mean, I, I kind of pulled from a couple of sources, but um, one of the things that I was really inspired by was Roots, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, Roots and Generations. So mm-hmm. uh, amongst Black people, we, we pretty much have this whole thing of ancestry. And, you know, the, the thing with PB Soldier, I always thought about that generational gap where we constantly making the same mistakes, generation yeah. after generation, because we don't know our history. And basically what I wanted to do with the story is have a lot of things parallel. So what's going on today is actually was something that happened uh, a couple of centuries ago in his in his ancestry, in his lineage. And now what's going to happen is he's going to be able to make that decision to go left to right once he becomes more receptive to it because he lacks knowledge of himself at the at, in the beginning of the story. Um, so as he gains more information, you know, he becomes more aware and then he actually starts making better choices or making different choices. Let's just say that and hope to break the cycle that's been going on in his family generation after generation. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, mad sidebar, mad sidebar. Yes. In the Black Panther, right? Uh-huh. When uh, uh, T'Jaka, I think, when, when Killmonger was talking to his father in the spirit yes. world, remember? And uh, uh-huh. it was something to the fact of, uh, you know, home. Oh, no, it wasn't even the spirit. Well, I think it was before when he was a kid. I can't remember. Yes. It, but the long part. Well, he the, was in the spirit. He was in the spirit world, but he was he was in his his home in, uh, was that, in Oakland at the time. Gotcha. And basically it was the whole idea of, uh, you know, home. You know, I was going to take you home, but we never made it. And then he said, mm-hmm. maybe what we call home is lost. And that's why they can't find us. Mm. Do you remember that part? I remember that part. I remember. Did, that you, part. did it? Did it strike you funny or surreal or truthful or was it just well, this mean, clever writing? No. Well, I, I thought I thought it was I thought it was surreal because um, there is a big disconnect between uh, the African American experience and the African experience, where you know a lot of people do not um, who are uh, uh, blacks in America who do not connect with any parts of Africa, you know, and they want to dissociate themselves so far away from Africa that they won't call themselves African. They won't, you know, they won't call themselves, some people won't even call themselves African-American. They won't even identify with the ancestry that even comes from the African diaspora, you know, um, and they pretty much identify with uh, their direct lineage of, you know, of their parents who grew up down South and moved to the North or moved to the South or moved East or West or whatever the case may be. And, and just pretty much are stuck in that aspect. Um, but uh, what, I, what I tried to do with the story was try to make that connection and reconnect to, you know, um, uh, various periods in time because he actually has various ancestors that he actually connect with throughout the story. And you get a, like a snippet, you know, because they, they, it's a, you know, constant visions that's going on uh, within, uh, within himself. And uh, he's really just gaining a lot of self-identity um, you know, as the story uh, progresses. The thing that I found interesting, you know, w- w- it starts out, <clears throat> um, you know, where these these elders are sitting around a campfire and, and they're yep. talking about this other tribe, this other nation that's being attacked by the Europeans. And they're trying to figure yes. out, do we help them? You know, do, do we stand? Do we stand by? You know, mm-hmm. what do you think? And then, you know, what if they start to debate? And again, man, I, th- I think that's kind of heavy, you know what I mean? Just because that's really what happened. 
you know, in, in some aspects, you know, they yep, exactly. you know, you know, exactly. you, you know, one tribe was fighting against another tribe and this third force comes and then they had a choice to make. And so I thought it was beautiful mm -hmm. that you put that in the story. And, and so you make all these kind of real world linkages. And to me, I think this gives the story more weight. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so we're in this kind of dystopian uh, thing. Maybe Trump read your book. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, what I mean? you know where everybody's a terrorist. Maxine Waters, you know what I mean? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. So, well, I mean, well, you know, but they're identifying people um, to, to a certain extent with this, where they're tracking everything that you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, when I was in college, they had this thing called the Digital Angel, and a Digital Angel, you know, most people call it the Mark of the Beast, and you know, various other things. Where, you know, they they are testing it with animals, of course, where they put microchips in people um, okay. to track them. And then, of course, with these microchips, you may see it in some sci-fi and everything, where that that chip, you know, you use to scan, you scan to get in entry to places. It yeah. has your currency, it has your medical records, it has all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that technology is here. You know, yeah. um, I just, when I actually wrote the story, it wasn't as, as close as it is right now. It's just, you know, time is just catching up to where the book was and uh, where the story was actually going. So um, that was just something that I was just foreshadowing, you know, um, and, and just kind of leveraging something stuff that was going. And that, and that was one of the real things that I wanted like Renaissance City is actually supposed to be, you know, a real world uh, environment that, you know, a real urban environment. And I actually when I when I first envisioned it, I thought of like uh, the north side would be Chicago. The uh, south, I mean, sorry, excuse me. The south side would be Chicago. The north side would be Philly. Mm -hmm. uh, the east side would be uh, North New Jersey. You know, like all of those. Yeah. If all of those uh, cities and urban environments were all in the same area, you mm -hmm. know, like um and, and just traveling and traveling kind of gave me the idea like, wow, when I go from place to place to place, the the, the problems are always the same. Mm -hmm. um, the experiences are pretty much the same, but it's just uh, different neighborhoods and everything like that. But the struggle is the same throughout. Yeah. You know, so um, and I wanted to kind of shed light on that. And um, hopefully, you know, it, it, it stems a conversation where we look to, you know, build solutions for our community. Now, uh, can you go into a little bit of you? You describe like the overarching, you know, themes that authoritarianism, yes. uh, you know, the mm -hmm. common man is viewed as a threat. And and then yes. you have this uh, assassins group, um, yes. you know, part of this, you know, program uh, called the program. Yep. Uh, can you talk a bit about the, the some of the main characters? OK, well, within the um, within the, the world, which is uh a part of the established, there's a group of individuals that are anti-establishment. Okay. And being that they're spreading this sphere of influence or, uh, you know, uh, throughout, throughout the world, there is a couple of, um, small pockets of individuals who are not on board. They, they are, you know, resistant to being a part of the establishment. And that's where the program comes in. This is a group of assa assassins that look to, um, eliminate anybody who is anti-establishment. And that's where uh, PB Soldier actually gets recruited into, uh, you know, based on his uh, abilities, his hacking abilities, um, and, you know, just pretty much being manipulated by the system and everything, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, tell me about Richard Amen. Uh, Richard Amen is the individual who um, set up this uh, uh we, we have the Terrorist Act of uh, 2011. Mm -hmm. So at the 10-year anniversary of the Patriot Act, 
uh, there was, um, and you, you'll see this in a prequel, but uh, there was a, um, a terrorist attack on various parts of Amer- um, the U.S., the U.K., and in China. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, you know, it, it started a whole scare, a worldwide scare of um, individuals who were looking to, you know, uh, um, become a uh, fascist group to to um you know disrupt what was going on so of course those world powers come together and establish what we call the terrorist act of uh 2011 mm-hmm. and this was a campaign to eradicate uh terrorism throughout the world and for them to be able to do this they had to do a worldwide surveillance so um amen was the individual who received the contract to be able to track the world and then uh, along with that you had uh, IDS, which was an identification database system, which uh, housed everyone's um, personal information, uh, medical records, everything, and uploads it to a satellite called the Nexus, which mm-hmm. uh, you know houses all of this information and everything. So, so you basically was, uh, privatized world security almost. Yes, and that's what he did. And mm-hmm. then he also has his hands in pharmaceuticals, uh, and a couple other in, um, corporations and everything that, you know, kind of tells, you know, what he's doing. So he's he's using the whole fear of terrorism to his advantage. And who is who is uh, who is Jason? Jason is a member of the program who um, at the at the start of the story where you uh, see in episode one, she actually um, wants to break out. OK, um, she's gained some information. Uh, that she wasn't aware of before, and now she wants to not be a part of the program. So uh, PB Soldier's mission, one of his first missions, is to eliminate Jason because Jason, um, you can't just leave the program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then as he's um, pursuing her, he's actually gaining information um, that you know has some questioning, you know, if he's even on the right side or not. Right, right, right. And uh, again, those uh, ancestors seem to have something to say about that first fight. Um, yes, it has something to say about it. So, so basically, we're looking at kind of an adventure uh, story, mm-hmm. kind of a I wouldn't say a, it's not a spy thriller, but it would be a, more of an action adventure comic, not necessarily capes and and tights and superpowers. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. This is basically a science fiction adventure. Uh, where um, you have uh, real world people with real world situations and mm-hmm. just trying to navigate this landscape. Um, and as they la- navigate in this landscape, this, this environment, you know, um, everyone has a different reaction to it. And that's pretty much uh, the dynamic that I tried to build uh, within this. Now it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I did a, I did a video a little while ago about uh, politics and comics. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so the more I read, you know, the more I start to realize that certain comics fall into, you know, certain categories. Some are just straight apolitical. It's just bangs at pow, you know, good guys, mm-hmm. bad guys, boom. Other ones, you know, are uh, maybe have a little bit, uh, for lack of a better word, more sophistication. And then they might mm-hmm. touch a little bit on, on, on politics. So you seem to have a very anti-authoritarian vibration uh in this book am i reading that wrong or well that that that's one of the vibes that you may get from it <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> as we build upon the story um you know i i want 
I want uh, the, the the reader, the viewer, you know, because we expand this to an animated series and everything, mm-hmm. to pretty much make their own choice on, you know, where the world is going and how you feel about these things that are actually, um, you know, uh, I like nothing that I'm actually uh, have in the story is not, um, you know, in in the world right now. It's just not at this level. You know, so how you feel about, uh, you know, being tracked, being surveilled, um, uh, if there was a world government, you know, how, how, how you know, and, and your placement within that, you know. So I, I want people to start questioning, you know, their their uh, their their own views on on these things and uh, just make the decision from there. OK, uh, there's a significant portion of my audience who creators who now want to get into the technical part. Um Yep. Have you uh, discovered any demographics or any kind of patterns in terms of your readers, male, female, adult, children, teens? What have you gathered? Um, f- so far, it's been teen and adults, um, being that we are dealing with uh, technical uh, content and everything because he, you know, uh, uses computer science, engineering and everything to uh, uh, navigate the world. Um, I've actually been receiving more of the tech rules, uh, the techies, um, just gravitating to the content and everything. And then also my uh, personal exploits where um, I actually do a whole um, panel series or workshops on uh, using comics to teach STEM okay. uh, you know, throughout throughout the country and everything. So I've gone to universities and everything, um, just discussing that topic and, you know, how you can use this on a higher level for for educational purposes because uh during the daytime i'm actually an educator uh okay you know and then i write comic books at night <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man that's wonderful uh just spend a few minutes on that now when you talk about um you know comics in the classroom are you referring strictly oh, yeah. to literacy or or go into that a little bit well i'm i'm referring to literacy uh there's there's 10 reasons that you could use comics in the classroom and a lot of people think that um you know, from an educational standpoint, uh, you know, like it's low level learning. Okay. It's actually one of the things that um, I've done with the research is that um, it's good for gifted and uh, low level readers. Okay. Um, because what happens, what you're, what you're able to do with comics is pictorial, right? When, when we learn as adolescents, we learn picture and word, mm-hmm. right? And then as we get older, there's a more abstract view. So now when what, what I'm able to do with, uh, you know, like scientific concepts or STEM concepts is being able to develop that mental model. And that also reinforces some of the concepts that you are actually teaching within the classroom. So I've seen AP classes that are using comic book content or graphic novels within there to uh, teach polls, to teach narrative. I actually do a workshop with, uh, you know, not to give a specific plug to Marvel or whatever, where I use a Spider-Man lesson mm-hmm. to uh, teach physics. Wow. You know, um, something that was um, something that was very difficult to navigate mm-hmm. now becomes something that's more fun, entertaining and engaging. Mm. And that that's one of the um, aspects that I like about comics and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that I saw also with the research was students who uh, uh and they, they actually did a study on this where uh, someone who did a textbook, um, you know, pretty much did your traditional textbook read uh, and then uh, it were administered a test. And then they did a graphic novel version of the same concepts mm-hmm. um, and then administered them the test. Now, the results was very um, the findings were very uh, uh, um, exciting to me because what they said was 
um, testing wise, the students, the, the study groups pretty much tested the same. Okay. Right? Um, you know, some students were able to, um, you know, just be able to regurgitate the textbook information accordingly. But the thing that they found was that the individuals who were um, who the study group that were actually using the um, graphic novels were actually diving deeper into the content. So now once the study was over now, I mean, once the testing was over, now they, they were going deeper into the content versus just moving on to the next chapter. Wow. Because it was pretty much like the whole typewriter concept where, okay, we learned that now I'm not using anymore. Now I'm I'm on to some new stuff. Mm -hmm. But the individuals who saw the mental models and everything and were able to identify with that were actually going deeper into the concepts because they already had those mental models. And and now they're they're, they're more exploratory with it. And that's why you used to have all of these uh, individuals who used to be, you know, back in the day where you would go to the comic shop and they would have these intensified yeah. conversations and everything because yeah. their imagination has been blown to something beyond it. And then when you think about a lot of the inventions that are coming out today, a lot of that stuff was um, seated in a comic book that mm-hmm. they saw years ago. Wow. You know, um, you know, hoverboards, hoverplanes, uh, uh, drones, all of this stuff was, uh, you know, concepts that, you know, we call sci-fi yep. or whatever it may be. But that, that that was actually a concept that they explored. And then it was like, hey, because even for me, when I went into engineering um, uh, as an um, undergrad, uh, my, my whole goal was to do advanced in robotics where I wanted to invent a Voltron line. <laughs> it wasn't a- <laughs> That's wonderful. That, that, okay. that, was, that was my whole thing in the robotics. I wanted to invent. A, I wanted to make a breakthrough in robotics. So wow. You know, um, until my friend, um, who's very military, he was like, "Hey, man, the government's gonna take you, take your idea, and then use it against you know people that look like you." And I'm like, "You know what? You're right." And, you know, and I kind of fell back on it a little or whatever, but I still pursued engineering. So right, right. Um, you, you still but, got the drawings but, in your basement someplace. <laughs> you still, yeah, yeah. You still so, got the blueprints. Um, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, so with the comics, well, you get more engagement from the children. I think that's important. Yes, what I was going to say was, do you think that black comics will get even more mm-hmm. engagement from black children? You know, seeing oh, yeah, themselves definitely. as the protagonist, as the hero, as the agent of change. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, when you talk about the educational gap, right? Is a lot of that stuff has to do with exposure. And sometimes when students are three and then that was one of the things with the study too. low level readers, bilingual readers, uh, you know, those individuals need these type of models, of, you know, from from a graphic novel standpoint or a comic book standpoint to be able to be able to read uh, more literature, mm-hmm. because this is a way to get them in in touch, engaged and then be able to get them to more of a pose text. You know, with a, you know, because they need to be able to, they be, education is all about being able to make, uh, make it real and relevant. You know, mm-hmm. you always usually hear that it's got to be real and relevant for them. So what comics do is make it real and relevant for them. So even if it is fantasy or you know science fiction or something that's not real world, it, it becomes real and relevant for them because they can see a picture, right. they can identify with the picture that they've seen. Gotcha. You know, so um, with that that allows people to just be able to navigate things a lot further. And when we talk about differentiated instruction, that's what some people are visual learners and that visual aspect allow them to be, because everyone doesn't learn the same way. That's true. So that allows them, 
an entry point into the concepts that other people weren't able to get. Wow. That was heavy. That was a little podcast all in itself. Okay. I mean, I, I've been saying <laughs> for a while that, you know, it's about literacy, you know, cause I think mm -hmm. that, you know, the people who listen to the show, they're either creators or they're, you know, adults who are fans, you know, of comics mm -hmm. and black comics in particular, and they're excited to find out what people are doing. Now you said that you were a teacher by day and a comic book writer by night. So you got that well, whole, right now, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm technically, I'm a, I'm a school administrator right now. Ah, uh, okay. But, all right. Um, all right. Origins come from teaching. You, you move, you're moving up the food chain. Okay. I get it. All right. Okay. So Bruce Wayne by day and Batman by night. You know what I mean? Yep, yep, yep. So, I so tell me the process. Cause it takes a lot of time to write. It takes a lot of time to edit. Yes. Then you got to find, yep. uh, you know, the talent. And then we're talking about, you know, the whole public. I mean, how did you find the time? Tell me how you got started. Wow. Um, well, getting started, first of all, I, I, I by no way was a, a comic book writer, comic book creator or anything. Um, I come by the pathway of engineering and education. That's that's the thing. Well, my engineering training, um, engineers are problem solvers. So I was able to break down the process of comic books. And I did a lot of research before I even got into the whole industry and everything. So th th this was all a part of the process for me. Um, I actually took a couple of courses on uh, um, storyboarding and animatics at NYU. I uh, took um, I took uh, writing um, comics and graphic novels at uh, NYU. Also, I also did uh, uh, I did another course. I'm trying to think of it right now, but is I'm drawing a blank. So but wait a minute, that, that, wait a minute, wait 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 just a minute. Are you telling me they got courses on comic books? creation at the university oh yeah but these are all continuing education stuff and when you talk about storyboarding storyboarding is comic books in itself wow you know? so when people are doing films they have to create a storyboard that right. goes along with it and i actually was trained under the director of um uh, of, uh animation at nickelodeon so I, I was like, wow, he's teaching a class. I'm like, well, I'm wow. about to learn a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and then while I was doing that, I was also going to cons. I was meeting with creators. I was doing all this stuff. So I was doing my due diligence with that because, like I said, I didn't um, come to comics the traditional way that everyone comes into comic books. You know, um, writing, uh, you know, writing or drawing since they were you know, five years old or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe even took a graphic design course or a uh, comic book drawing, you know, at uh Q-Bird or something, you know, something uh, yeah. in that effect. Uh, my, my, my path was totally different. Okay. Um, when right. I came into writing, uh, it, you know, I, I actually have children, mm -hmm. uh, a 10 and 14 year old. And while yeah. uh, my, my wife, um, and I'm going to just say my wife at the time, because mm -hmm. uh, we're now divorced, Okay. But uh, my wife at the time, she's a flight attendant. So while I'm in the house with the children, mm -hmm. I was writing. And wow. I was doing nothing but writing, writing, writing. Mm -hmm. And while I was writing, I was constantly searching for uh, an artist to work with that kind of met the vision that I was doing. And I actually ran into a bunch of individuals at uh, um, ECBOC, which is uh, East Coast Black Age of Comics. Okay. In Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and I ran into Machindo, and Machindo, uh, who was a phenomenal artist, yep. 
worked with the likes of, uh, you know, Wesley Snipes, uh, worked, did some work for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have did something for DC, too. But, you know, his his artwork is phenomenal. He actually did my character designs. Wow. And initially, I tried to do some stuff with, you know, high school students, you know, local artists and stuff like that. But they just didn't have that defined look. And once he once I got the look, I actually hosted an audition online. Oh wow! For yeah, I hosted an audition online, and I got about thirty uh, applicants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how I found the artists that I'm working with to this um, to this day. Wow! Amazing, amazing, man. So that was like that was a whole. As my daughter would say, that's that was a whole process. <laughs> Yeah, it was a whole process, brother. It was a whole process. And, and I mean, Machindo, like has been on the show twice. His name keeps yes. coming up, man. He's touched a lot of people's lives oh, in this business. Oh yeah, man. He he. When when you, I mean, when they do the history of uh, all of these, especially the, the the black creators who are who are doing a lot of uh, quality content right now, mm-hmm. Machindo most likely had a hand in it. Yeah. Talking about Jason Wise. We talking about Purge. We yep. talking about. Uh, you know, a lot of the um, uh, Indigo, he, he, I mean, you know, PB Soldier, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to, you know, he, he had his hand in a lot of stuff. And, you know, and I, I appreciate even working with him because without him, I, I don't think um, I would have pushed forward like I like I am right now because he defined the look of my characters, which Beautiful. I which which I was which I was very animated about, um, you know, because I always thought you know, from a quality control standpoint that Mm -hmm. if I put my book up against a Marvel book or a DC book, I want you to say, okay, I'm not familiar with this character, but I'm going to give it a chance. Right. Because it don't look bootleg. Right. You know, I I, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, like the quality was there, Mm -hmm. you know, so um, that, I mean, and that's basically it. Uh, Yeah, you said that you had a, you had like an audition of 30 people. So yes, uh, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing you took a minute, at least two or three classes at the university. Cha-ching! Mm-hmm. Now you yep. uh, you're going to talking to people. You're going to the conferences that cost money. Cha-ching! Now yep. you got to pick a writer. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, an artist. And so yep. cha-ching! So did, and I don't hear Kickstarter being mentioned at all. So you financed all of this stuff out your own pocket. Yes, I financed this all. I mean, if if you want your dream to come true, you you gotta invest in you. Yeah. So that's what I did. I invested in me. Um, I had to make a lot of sacrifices. You mm-hmm. know, I couldn't go out like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't drink beer, so you know, whatever my beer and cigarette money would be, that's what was going into the book and, and, and all of these things. You know, um, and I like I said, I looked at it as an investment. I invested in me. Uh, these courses that that was an investment in me too, uh, mm-hmm. and then it allowed me to network and allowed me to build a, a net worth uh, for what everything that I'm doing. And I and I wanted to just have a handle on all of the different aspects of what's going on, even if I wasn't performing the job. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least when I um, interact with the people, I can at least speak the language, yeah. um, know the expectations, um, know what the you know uh, be able to give them direction. You know, just from a managerial standpoint and everything. So, okay. um, I just wanted to be able to mastermind this whole this whole thing. So you um, you you had your auditions online. Mm-hmm. At that point, did you have the first issue already written? Yes, yes. Okay. So through all of this, all I kept doing was writing. Okay. So I pretty much laid out fifty-two episodes of PB Soldier. Wow. 
I, I laid out 52 episodes of PB Soldier, and I and I got that from you know uh, Tyler Perry, and I have to give him credit for you know his business savvy. Mm-hmm. I mean the content, you know, we could we could have a whole debate about that, right. but his business savvy as far as um, what he did with uh, I believe it was Meet the Meet the Browns or yeah Meet the Browns or Meet the Pains, one of them, mm-hmm. where he sold a hundred episode deal to uh, TBS. Or TNT, whatever you know, Turner Networks. Yeah, just say that. And when he did that, I said, "Wow," because I knew, you know, with my, you know, with my daytime job, you know, I said, "Wow, if I get picked up today, if I got picked up today, somebody say, look, I like what you got here. I see your first episode and everything. Do you have more?'" <laughs> you know, right? And I was like, "Wow," if that came up. What am I going to say? Oh, well, you know, you give me some time. I get in the room. I get in the lab. I can do some stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. And I said, <laughs> you know, no, I said, no, let me let me lay this whole thing out. So when when that day comes, I can say, look, I have I know where this is going. I got the I got the first series. I got the series after the whole ho- the, the whole uh, World War <laughs> event that happens. The mm-hmm. whole uh, apocalypse, I would say. Um and then what the what, what the world will look like after that. And then I have a couple of spinoffs after we build, you know, as we build the um, brand up for the, the main character and everything. So I mean that 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 was my intention, you know, uh, when I was writing the series. And like I said, as I was searching for this artist and everything, because I actually started writing in like 2005. Okay. Um, wow. Now of course we had 2018. I didn't mm-hmm. publish the first book until 2012. Wow. Um, you know, okay. for various reasons, you know, you know, um, and then like I said, now we, we kind of like catching up to, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, I already have written kind of, you know, and that's why I said as far as the um the 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 foreshadowing of what the future may be, you know, I, I wrote this initially where it was supposed to be 2020. Right. You know, we're at 2018 now, and now mm-hmm. we we we're right right on the brink of that. But but that was in 2005 when I was writing that, you know, so so now, uh, you know, it, the narrative just becomes, uh, you know, in the near future, you know, yeah. because some of this stuff is still just kind of, you know, uh, coming out and everything. So uh, I look at your books and again, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, go to pbsoldier.com and you can, uh, you know, click on the little uh link and you'll see like the there's a store option and then there's like a shop option where you can get other merchandise um besides the books pbsoldier.com and uh you know of course i'm talking to uh uh, nasheed gifted um so what were some of your biggest triumphs during this whole process i mean the book looks great you know the story's on point um and you told me you got like uh you know 40 some, uh, 50 some, uh, you know, issues in the, in the bag already sitting on the shelf, waiting to pull the trigger on it. What was some of your yes. greatest uh, triumphs uh, during this whole process? Uh, well, I mean, so, I mean, my, my initial triumph was, um, actually coming out with a book, okay. uh, you know, just, just taking this unconventional path of being a comic book creator. Um, you know, that, that was my first, first thing, you know, uh, and then, after that, you know, putting a product out into the world where, you know, you're not 100 percent sure that, you know, the world will receive it. Right. And I mean, you know, then, uh, 
you know, children and adults alike are like, wow, like we really like what you're doing here. And we, you know, like they want to kind of like join the movement that that's going along with this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how I'm able to, you know, combine the educational platform along with it and to just be able to tell a, a good story. Um, that's that's been, you know, some of my triumphs right there. I mean, along with uh, being nominated for Glyph Awards, Urban Action Showcase, being mm. um, being interviewed by Black Enterprise, wow. being on Salon. Um, uh, just recently, um, was a part of uh, Leaders Create Leaders series at the Prudential Center. That um, um, so I mean, those are those are all great things and everything. But the the most triumphant thing is when I go to a con, and the character that I created out of my mind mm-hmm. uh, is is what. Uh, a child wants to emulate that and wants to dress up like them. That's you know, amazing. That's that, amazing. That, that's the most powerful thing to me. Where people want to take your idea and then they want to embody that. That that that's always been the most powerful thing to me and how it inspires you know the next generation and, and the current generation to want to do something different. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Now uh, early on uh, in the uh, in our conversation, you mentioned uh, a con. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe you call it a, uh, uh, is it ChemCon? Chem, yeah, like Chem Comet? Comic, yeah, yeah, Chem, yeah, Chem for Kemet. Okay. Uh, Chem Comic Fest. Okay, tell so, us about it. Well, Chem Comic Fest is, uh, a, let's say, uh, a, a meeting place for creators, right? So we showcase black creators um, from from pretty much all over, Um similar to uh, the Black Comic Book Festival in Harlem at the Schomburg. Okay. Uh, and, but the, the, the sub-goal with all of this is where we are looking to inspire the next generation of uh, creators. So I have a whole STEM focus with everything that I do. And those individuals who are interested in comics, gaming, animation, anime, manga, and what I, what we do with the Chem Comic Fest, even though you're meeting the creators, we're um, opening the doors for these career pathways for those individuals who, you know, who are interested in this and, you know, want to be creators, want to be uh, special effects um, individuals. All of those hundreds of job opportunities that um, that you see at the end of a film mm-hmm. or animated uh, animated feature, yeah. those opportunities are what we're trying to expose the youth to. And, you know, and just give them access to the creators that are actually putting out that type of content. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's so so Kim Comic Fest is actually we're looking, we're growing it to be a training ground for the next group of creators. That's that's what we want to do. So we're gonna have the current people that are, you know, that are doing uh um that are putting out, you know, um valuable product into yeah. the into the atmosphere. And then we actually will bring in those uh inspiring uh those in, the aspiring uh, children who are interested in this stuff and how this can actually be a career path for you because we get tons of exposure to, you know, doctors, lawyers, basketball players, even rappers. And right. That's why our children, you know, aspire to do those things, but they don't know about all of the job opportunities that's available for them. If you are interested in comics, right. you know, if you are interested in, um, develop, you know, playing video games all day, where you can actually develop your own video game. And now, uh, something you mentioned earlier, and I, uh, correct me if I misheard, did you say something about an animation? Yes. So behind the scenes, um, we are doing the comic book series. But uh, if you ever notice, 
on the titles, they are all label episodes. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote when I wrote PB Soldier, PB Soldier was uh, uh, initially written as if it was a thirty minute um, animated series. Wow! And that's why it's written like that. And what we're doing in the background is we're doing uh, you know some three D animation and working on um, some augmented reality and virtual reality uh, aspects of it. Um, that's going to be coming along with the Kickstarter that we're going to do in October for the graphic novel. Um, okay. But uh, but that animated series piece is something that we are working on, you know, just building partnerships and everything to, to get that out in the near future. Wow. So, so, you know, I'm hearing a lot of business, uh, talk, you know, I hear some art talk, obviously I hear some, you know, uh, some mentoring things going on in there, but I hear a lot of business. Tell me about the business part, about the networking, about, uh, you know, and also in, Tell us about your artist too. Uh, is it mm-hmm. what's the brother's name? Uh, uh, Garcia, I believe. Let me see. Look at your bio yeah, Abel here. Garcia. Abel Garcia. I mean, the brother did an excellent yeah. job. Uh, tell us about your artist and some of these other relationships you're developing. Abel is man. He he's phenomenal. Uh, he's the one artist when I did the audition. He was the fastest mm-hmm. and the most accurate to my vision. So what I did with Abel initially when I did the audition, mm-hmm. I just had a uh, I gave him a narrative. I didn't I didn't I didn't put it in script form where I told him, look, I want this. I want this. I want this. I gave him a narrative and I wanted to see what he would bring to the actual story that I gave him. It was a one page story. Okay. And everyone had to do like a one page story, you know, just do some panels and everything. I didn't tell him what kind of, you know, how many panels I wanted or any any of that stuff. I just showed him what the characters look like. And then he embodied that to a T. I was like, man, I couldn't even write this better than what you, you know, wow. you already put paper so that right there told me i said look i don't have to stand over this guy's shoulder mm-hmm. once i give him a script and that's what i wanted to be able to do that somebody can actually see the vision that you actually have you know for your work and just be able to take it and then add their level of creativity to it and that's what abel has been able to do um with you know i mean when we when he sends me a page back and we talk about you know how you do feedback and everything yeah. back and forth I mean, he can fully color it, and I'm like, okay, uh, let's change the word bubble. Like everything is f- flawless, you know. Wow. Like it's, it's too is is to the point. Um, and now uh, we have a nice colorist, so you know, he for the first book he did the coloring, the lettering, everything. Mm-hmm. You know? um, now we have another individual, Maniola uh, Martinez, who's actually doing um, a lot of the. She's doing the coloring, and then this way he could just do the pencils and the inking. And then uh, pass the pages on to her. So now we got a nice little team or rotation where uh, we are able to just, you know, just be more efficient and effective. Now, uh, you, you know, it's funny, man. The reason why, one, I wanted to give Garcia his props. He did an excellent job. Two, I wanted to talk about this whole, like, globalization kind of vibration. You know, oh, yeah, you, you have an engineering background. You know, there's a lot of American IT people that might not have a good, you know, feeling about mm-hmm. globalization. But if you're an entrepreneur oh, and yeah, you're definitely. in the West, then it works on our it works on our behalf. I mean, is that, has that been your experience? I mean, uh, yes. I mean, the internet has been phenomenal in actually allowing me to grow my business okay. because without that, initially I was working with local artists. Yeah. Uh, you know, high school students because I, you know, I, I work at a high school and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And but the quality of the work that I was getting wasn't wasn't to par. Right. So now once I did the online edition, now I'm getting input from people from all across the world. And Abel is actually in Barcelona, Spain. Wow. I communicate with him through the internet, through email. I send him scripts, he sent me back stuff. Like I don't I don't have to I don't have to personally talk to him, you know, in order to get work done. And and that right there is is powerful. You know, like when I'm asleep, he's up actually working because it's daytime there, you know. So wow. all of those aspects, you know, just from a business standpoint, yeah. you know, allows a lot of things to, to, to work more efficiently and effectively. You know, so if you are an entrepreneur, you know, uh, you know, you should definitely investigate into, you know, uh, um, contract work, uh, freelance, um, freelance individuals who are going to give you the quality of work that you're looking to do. Now, the other people that's behind the scenes that, you know, the marketing um, production um, manager and everything, those are all individuals that are here, you know, in the States. Okay. But the, the other individual work that, you know, as far as the production, I mean, as far as the art is concerned, that's all happening overseas. Wow. So, so technically, I mean, are you guys using like uh well, first of all, how did you find them? Did you go through, did you just put up a website? Did you go through Fiverr? Was it uh, uh, DeviantArt? Like, how did it, you find them? I actually did a, um, I did a YouTube video on how I did this whole process, but it was, uh, I did look at DeviantArt and what happened with DeviantArt, it was just too many profiles for me to go through, right? So, and then I also looked at, uh, it used to be Elance at the time. Okay. Uh, where you could find um, electronic uh, freelance artists and everything. Yeah. But once again, the process was too long because, you know, you find all these people and then you you don't know if they got the price points or whatever. So I used a website called, uh, I believe it was conceptart.com and okay. I put an ad on there. I put, you know, what the, pre- uh, what the page rate would be, mm-hmm. um, what I was looking for, um, how many pages I was looking for, mm-hmm. the duration of the assignment. And that's how I, I was able to, you know, get all of these individuals who bought into, you know, what I was doing. Because now I don't have to worry about, okay, I like this artist, but he don't have time for my project. Okay. You know, everyone who's applying for the, uh, who did the online audition has time. They want to work right now. So wow. now, now I'm just picking from, you know, the best of the best that's, that's, that's doing submissions. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, listen, Mr. Gifted, I don't want to uh, take up all of your time, man. I definitely wanted to uh, get into, you know, you know how the book came to be, some of the, the ideas mm-hmm. behind it, the, the mechanical process, your con. Um, for, for artists or writers who are looking to, you know, bring that passion to, to life, um, what mm-hmm. advice would you give them? Wow. Uh, first, if you're a writer, uh, a couple of small things that you can do. The one thing I learned from uh, this New York bestselling writer, um, uh, Corey Doctorow, he, he told me, write a page a day, right? Like, don't do, you know, people were like, oh, I got to write eight pages. I got to do 10 pages. He's like, write a page a day. Mm. I was like, man, is that simple? And when I looked at it like that and I, and I applied it to the comic book series, I started writing a page a day. At the end of the month, I got a book. Wow. And, you know, at the end of the month, I got a book. So I was like, wow, you know. Um, because for me, time is crucial. Yeah. So I have to use early mornings and late nights. That, okay. That's that's pretty much it. Because during the daytime, my you know my time is being demanded by my job in, in a sense. Uh, 
and, and it's very demanding. I don't have one of the jobs where I can sit behind a desk all day and just, uh, you know, and just sit on a computer and do other things like I need to. Yeah. Um, but I do find pockets of time where, you know, the weekends, early mornings, late nights, where I'm just pretty much doing everything related to the business and been, and just being consistent with it. And that's allowed me to be able to, uh, you know, have, you know, the, the success that I've been having thus far. Fantastic. If people want to reach out to you, uh, you know, get some advice from you, dialogue with you, okay. or they want to purchase the book, how do they reach out? Uh, they can reach out to me via uh, pbsoldier.com. That's www.pbsoldier.com. I'm on Instagram at pbsoldier. That's P-B-S-O-L-D-I-E-R. Um, once you contact, you can direct message me and everything. Um, also on Facebook, I'm Nasi Gifted. Um, you look me up, you could DM me or whatever. And I respond, you know, I'm, I'm a live person, you know, um, just, but just understand I have family and, and <laughs> uh, other obligations and everything. too. Right. so, you know, don't feel some kind of way when I'll get back right back to you, but I will definitely get back to you. Uh, so if you do have any questions and you need uh, advice or anything, please feel free to hit me up. Um, I'm actually going to be putting out a couple of blogs this summer. Okay. Uh, you know, just on the whole process of creating your own, comic book series uh you know the ins and outs of everything i mean because there's a couple of things um what your smartphone allows you to be able to do uh just using google drive um to be able to write script you know like all of these things uh just to be able to leverage the technology to be able to put out a product you know in a in a more timely fashion fantastic fantastic ladies and gentlemen mr nasid gifted 